The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I do want to come back uh, to this issue of of uh, crime in our city centres, particularly the focus uh, after last weekend's attack on Dublin's north inner city. Parik Carroll is with me, uh, who himself survived uh, an assault. Parik, you're very welcome to the show and thanks for coming into us. Um, talk us through what happened to you. Yeah, so a number of years back, uh, I had been out for a night in town with um, some family and friends. Uh, great night, very calm, few points, the usual thing. And I had missed the night link home and made a, a flawed decision to walk home. So as I was walking and leaving the city, um, maybe halfway home or so, I encountered three people uh, who ran at me from behind. So it was a completely random, unprovoked assault. Uh, it was more than an assault. They tried to murder me. Um, and what I mean by that is that the the ringleader of this group, let's just say, had been involved in numerous attempts to kill people beforehand. And sadly, uh, within a couple of months of having attacked me, he they achieved what they were setting out to and they took another man's life. My God. Um, I mean... In, in retrospect, that's harrowing in and of itself. But the attack itself, re- regardless of what you know now about them, must have been terrifying at the time, was it? Yeah, it, it was nothing short of barbaric. Um, they they ran at me with a sledgehammer, uh, a garden digging fork, and I'm not sure what the third person has. Uh, they attacked me from, from behind, knocked me to the ground. I lost consciousness now, I had the, somebody was looking over me that day and ironically, the the last night link came through uh, the, the area I was in and the bus driver stopped, um, beeped the horn, frightened the guys off and uh, he, he, that man saved my life that night. Um, so really bad assault, really bad, straight to hospital. Guards never came, unfortunately. I don't, I don't blame them. I've had a lot of venom for them over the years, for it, but I don't blame them. Uh, they're under-resourced, understaffed under-trained, underwater. Um, but the years that followed, that was where the, the real trauma developed. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I just want to kind of really get a clear picture of, of what happened as well that night. When you say the guards didn't come, they didn't come to the scene or, or they didn't even come to you in hospital? Neither, unfortunately. No. A they complaint were, were, was made? They, yeah, they, yeah, a complaint was, well, the Dublin bus called it in, uh, an ambulance came, uh, transported me to what was the matter at the time. Um, and then there was no no sign of the guards, unfortunately. How much of that night do you remember, given, as you say, you lost consciousness fairly early? Do you, do you know what they hit you with to lose consciousness? Yeah, the, the, the bus driver told me now, you know, to describe what I saw, um, what looked like a red brick, you know, in the shape of a rectangular coming to my face was actually a sledgehammer, the metal end of a sledgehammer. And I had uh, stab puncture marks on my head, in my hands, defensive marks from the, the garden digging fork. So you were struck in the face with the sledgehammer either before or after you had your hands up protecting yourself. But at some point in all of this, you lose consciousness. Had that bus driver not been passing by? I oh, mean, dead, gone dead, murdered. Was there any attempt by them to to rob you, to take phone, no. wallets, nothing like that? No. The, this, this is just a, yeah. a, an all-out assault. No, the, the person who was, for want of a better term, the ringleader, he 
was he had set out to kill people before he succeeded after he assaulted me. There was no, there is no question about it. It was that was the goal. So you you came to in hospital or on the way to hospital. When did that happen? When when, when was there a kind of a maybe a realization? Of what happened? Uh, the driver had stopped in the middle of the road, um, stopped traffic, um, and uh, was coming towards me. I started to, to come around at that stage and jumped up to my feet, stumbled, fell, fell in front of the bus, in front of traffic on the other side of the road. But you were completely all over the place. Yeah, at this stage, yeah, like. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, com- yeah. Absolutely, not able to stand, walk, run. Um, and all I can remember as I came to was bright lights. I thought I was going to be run over by, actually, I thought I was running towards a garage at first. And then I thought I was being hit by a car, but it was actually the bus stopped on the road. And then the voice of the driver came through calling me back, saying, come back, come back. It's OK. And the driver, no, the driver didn't bring you to hospital. An ambulance came. Called ambulance, an ambulance, yeah. A- ambulance was, brings you to hospital. So you mentioned you the, the, the puncture wounds in your hands. What other physical damage was done on the night. Uh, I have, I still have a scar at the back of my head, big dent. Um, my from my face, from my just above my eye socket area, all the way to my neck at the back of my head, right at the top around, was c- completely swollen, filled with fluids, um, bruises, damage, cuts, scrapes. Um, yeah, and uh, a big flap of skin on my head was was lifted right back. And when you say. It was the aftermath of the attack was when the real, uh, you know, battle started for you. Talk me through that. Yeah. uh, Over the next 15 years, I I had developed PTSD within that time frame. And, you know, this wasn't something that would be spoken about at the time. Mental health issues in general wouldn't be. But I developed PTSD and it's one of the most cruel uh, mental health conditions you can have. You spend every, every, more or less every waking moment of every day either in fear for your life or expecting to be murdered, reliving the attempt uh, on your life. Um, it's a, it's very cruel. Uh, it has a very high mortality rate. But then I also developed treatment-resistant depression, which in and of itself is no talk therapy, no pharmacological intervention at the time, at least, would, would work. Tried it all. Um, that has a high mortality rate as well. So eventually it, it brought me uh, to a point where I was suicidal and attempted, made an attempt on uh, my own life. Um, and I found myself in St. James's Hospital uh, at the time, fully aware that I was literally at the end of my rope. Um, but I had attended college, got myself an MBA some time back, was good with research, working tech companies mm. where I researched professionally. And it was at that time that I, I asked my wife to bring my laptop in to me in the hospital and I started to research within the last year what novel treatments might be out there for depression or PTSD and I stumbled across an open label label study from uh, some researchers in the Imperial College in London uh, where they had taken a a cohort of people with treatment resistant depression and treated them with a compound called psilocybin which is the the active psychedelic compound in magic mushrooms and I was familiar with this okay you know, from my youth, let's just say, um, you know, many people are. But uh, I also trusted in, in in the research that I read and, and uh, previous research going back to the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and so on. So I checked myself out, went home, ordered psilocybin truffles, 
from Amsterdam, had them delivered over. Now I'm the criminal. Took them. And the very next day, my depression was gone. Um, it's it's interesting you mention it. It, it. Only about two days ago, there was a story about magic mushrooms and those compounds as well being used to treat um, eating disorders. Uh, I, I yeah. think so. So there, there is a kind of a community out there, a community of scientists and researchers, as you say, who are doing work um, uh, on that front. Can I ask about the PTSD? Um, because I just want to try and make sense of it for me, having had no experience, you know, directly or even indirectly with it. When when you say you're reliving the attack, is that it, it, does that manifest as flashbacks? You can picture it, or or is it more you're reliving the 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 fear and the emotions that you experienced through the attack? All of the above, all and, right, and, and and more. So, the, the stereotypical explanation is the Vietnamese war veteran who comes back and is in fear of you know, here's the helicopter noise. The reality is that that's actually quite accurate. And what can happen um, is you can become uh, hyper-reactive uh, to certain things, hyper-vigilant, okay? So you're always, hyper-vigilant means you're always on the lookout for a threat. Now, the problem is you can end up being the threat if you're looking for threats at times. Yeah. Um, the flashbacks, the flashbacks are not akin, not dissimilar to daydreaming. Um, where you might have a movie in your head imagining a scenario or something like that, except for in this scenario, it's multiple times a day and the scenario you're imagining is something similar to being killed, being attacked, being stabbed, people following you, coming after you, reliving the event itself. It's a movie in your head. You're the star. And the the the, the triggers, the things that cause it, I assume, you know, the way you describe it, it people coming up on you from behind, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I went through, you know, a good 15 years or so, pretty much now in every single car that was around me. You know, the sound of footsteps behind you. But it could be as innocuous as a little old lady 200 metres up the road walking on the same side of the path as you're on. And that's a threat. That's how severe it is. Wow. It's insane. It's, it's horrific. And how would you describe where you are now? I speak to you today from a position of scars, not wounds. Um, it's hard to describe what happens when you take psilocybin with regards to depression and PTSD. It's not like something happens. I didn't realise for a few weeks after I had done that, that the PTSD just wasn't there. It wasn't that something happened. It was no longer there. And it's impossible to overstate how profound an effect that is on somebody who's mm. suffering those conditions. Well, Wilson, we wish you well with your continued recovery. Is that how you describe it? I have my own demons, but yeah, thing, things ebb and flow. There's will you no, always have them? Uh, certain things, yeah, I will. I'll always have them, but there's hope out there. And by the way, uh, psilocybin's been studied in, in Tala Hospital as well, so there's hope there. The Citizens' Assembly is working on the drugs agenda at the moment, and I will call for them to decriminalise. I'm not a criminal, and to consider legalisation. Well, listen, Horik, uh, you make the case well... So thanks a million for coming into us and sharing the story. Really thank, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Parik, uh, Carol, uh, everybody. If Listen, I, I know we touched on some really serious issues there. Um, so as always, I do want to remind you of, of helplines that are available. The Samaritans uh, can be contacted 24 hours a day, 116-123. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy. With Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.